It's Christmas! Well, tonight, thank God it's there instead of you. Oh, Christmas Day, my ass. I'm driving home for Christmas. Oh, I can't wait to see those faces. Christmas to you and all. Hello again, this is Adam, your Merry Britsmas host, talking all things British, Christmas related, from music to TV and film, to whatever the heck else I can be bothered to ramble about. We're in August and summer is still just about here, so let's get festive. It doesn't make much sense most of the time, but on a Christmas podcast it's pretty much what you're after. Well, this month we have some supposedly comedic British Christmas songs that you may not have heard of and may never want to hear again, as well as a look at a wintry episode of a historical rural police drama that ran for 18 seasons. And we are smashing onwards with the next group of voting in the big Christmas number one showdown. Are you ready to laugh? Or maybe just cringe and grimace? Comedy music has always been very hit and miss. It often misses more than it hits. And we've touched upon some comedic songs in our great big Christmas number one showdown, with the likes of Benny Hill and Lad Baby showing that Christmas is often time for a bit of funny. There are some comedy songs by actual comedians that sometimes can be quite funny, often taking something from a show, a film or an act that made them famous, and then turning it into something even better as a piece of music. Think Monty Python or Spinal Tap. Or comedians that make musical comedy songs such as Tim Minchin, Bo Burnham or Flights of the Concord. Other times, producers just try their hardest to whack something out with a famous person as a funny song that is often not all that funny. And sometimes even stranger, these do well with the great British public, which I'm sure tells you something, although I'm not sure what. But like I said, Christmas is often a time for a comedic musical take, so I thought I'd share three tracks with you today that attempt this very thing. First up is from 2006 when Ricky Tomlinson, a wonderful screen actor who had appeared in serious drama and soap operas such as Brookside and Raining Stones before going full comedy in the late 90s with a role as Jim, the father of the household in the brilliant The Royal Family, a take on lower class British working life as we see the Royal Family's day to day activities that mostly are watching telly and making fun of each other. It was a huge hit, winning BAFTAs, appearing on the lists of best ever TV shows or sitcoms here in the UK, and some great Christmas specials, a couple of which I've covered before, but some people evidently thought they didn't go far enough with the seasonal success of the show. Because in 2006, Ricky Tomlinson was persuaded to record a Christmas song called Merry Christmas My Ass." If you don't watch the show, My Ass was a catchphrase of sorts for Jim as he often blurted it out as an expression of annoyance or displeasure at whatever was happening around him. So a Christmas song had to be made with him taking on the role of his TV character for some chat bits too. No wonder the barbers are starving where he comes from. I tell you what, Noddy Older, you've got a challenge on your hand here. I've written this song especially for you, you miserable old sod. Same old tinsel, same old dream. I'm looking at you, you're staring at me. Turkey queen and silly party games. Manners drunk, we've had a few. You're staring at me, I'm still looking at you. 
Tomlinson is actually a musician, famously playing the banjo in bands and on shows, and he covered folk songs as singles previously, such as It's a Long Way to Tipperary. But Christmas My Arse is much more cheesy and managed to make it to number 25 in the UK charts. And back a bit further in time for the next one, and this act had two Christmas songs, both as ridiculous as each other. They came from British comedic icons The Goodies, who were a trio of Tim Brooke Taylor, Bill Oddy, and Graham Garden. The three met at the University of Cambridge and were all part of the famed Footlights, a sketch comedy troupe that has contained many comedy legends in their ranks. These three started their rise to fame in the 60s on the BBC radio show I'm Sorry I'll Read That Again and appearing on TV shows such as At Last the 1948 Show. They then got their own show called The Goodies in 1970 on BBC Two where they could craft surreal comedic sketches and bits that became so successful it ran for nine series over ten years becoming a huge hit with kids and big kids alike. The group also released comedy albums with songs that were as silly and odd as the show, including two Christmas songs. The first one was called Father Christmas Do Not Touch Me, and it's pretty much as risque as it sounds imagining Father Christmas returning to see the grown-up women on Christmas Eve, and it oddly uses the tune of the Battle Hymn of the Republic, which has become a football terrace chant of glory glory here in the UK. At twelve o'clock on Christmas Eve she tiptoed up the stairs She stood beneath the mistletoe and combed her silken hair Then Santa Claus slipped down the flue and caught her unawares And this is what she said Oh, Father Christmas do not touch me Father Christmas do not touch me Father Christmas do not touch and the second Christmas song was a little more funky, but still just as odd. Called Make a Daft Noise for Christmas, with the trio exclaiming that a lack of money just means they have to go daft. It has a kind of glam feel to it in parts, and is an oddly catchy tune. And finally, even further back to 1963, as we end on a somewhat sweet and very of its time song, sung by an actress called Dora Bryan. Born in Southport, Lancashire, she got into panto productions as a teenager, a very British festive style of silly theatre that I talked about on the podcast way back in the first few episodes. She developed a stage career, moving to London to act in plays such as Private Lives and musicals such as Hello Dolly. 
She also appeared on radio, TV and film throughout the 50s and 60s, including in the BAFTA-winning adaptation of Taste of Honey. She later became a long-running cast member of the classic British sitcom Last of the Summer Wine and passed away at the grand old age of 91 in 2014. But back in 1963, age 40, she recorded a novelty festive song called All I Want For Christmas Is A Beatle, capitalising on Beatlemania to take this song to number 20 in the UK charts. Christmas comes but once a year They're really all the same I never know just what I want It really is a shame Yesterday I saw something That is my pride and joy I want it for Christmas It's a real life Liverpool boy All I want for Christmas is a beetle Not a teddy bear, just a beetle She was asked to sing it during a theatrical run of a play called Six of One, rewriting some lyrics and recording it the very next day. She appeared on Top of the Pops and in her autobiography called it The Best Bad Record of 1963. Apparently the Beatles did hear it with Paul saying she was fab and that he watched her theatrical performances as well. It's very much of its time but kind of endearing. For the festive TV episode this month, I wanted to take a look at a show that I have some vague recollection of watching when younger, usually catching bits of it when my parents watched it before I was whisked off to bed, always on a Sunday evening before the weekend was over and the dreaded return to school came around. The show was called Heartbeat, and it was a huge hit for ITV, running from 1992 until 2010. The show is based on a series of books by Nicholas Rear, set in the 1960s in the North Riding of Yorkshire, amongst mostly fictional towns and villages. The premise follows the local constabulary and medical professionals dealing with issues in each episode, initially starring Nick Berry as PC Nicholas Rowan and Neve Kuzak as his wife, Dr Kate Rowan. However, as the series went on it became more of an ensemble cast with other officers, doctors and local residents becoming much loved characters. The show ran for 18 seasons and even inspired a spin-off called The Royal. It was a show that kind of became a cosy Sunday night watch for many British people, especially compared to other police or crime procedural TV shows such as The Bill. 
And of course, a cosy popular show needs Christmas episodes. There were 10 in total, starting with series 4, where it aired on Christmas Day in 1994, acting as the series finale. The episode was called A Winter's Tale, and before we start the episode, there's an ITV introduction on the version I watched that gives me festive nostalgia. In an hour, Jeremy Beadle unwraps some more camcorder catastrophes in a You've Been Framed Christmas special. And speaking of Christmas specials, here's one now, Heartbeat. And so the episode begins with a snowy countryside and some kids getting excited about the festive season. Look, Daddy, it's an advent calendar. You open it up, each day before Christmas, and there's a picture inside. Today's a rain day, Lord. Now, now, come on, Ali. Let's get him inside before it starts snowing. Is it going to keep snowing, Dad? Aye, I reckon so, lad. Really? Aye, just for you. It's going to be great, Danny. Dr Kate Rowan has arranged for a young boy, Danny Parkin, to be home with his family just for Christmas. Thanks for getting him home for Christmas, Doctor. Oh, that'll make all the difference. I'm afraid it is just for Christmas. Daddy's coughing. I'll wait in the car. <coughs> I'm all right, Dad. I told you two not to get him excited. Let me have a look. Get him a drink, will you, love? He should be fine. Just get him straight to bed. His medication is in his bag. I'll take him up. I am think on. Don't get him going. And his dad, Fred Parkin, played by Bruce Jones, well known for playing Les Battersby in Coronation Street, is struggling with the illness of his son, asking about alternatives with the doctor. If you can keep him warm, I think the change will do him good. I was reading about sanatoriums in Switzerland. They can cure him easily. Can't we send him there? In an ideal world, Mr Parkin. Not on the national health. What sort of money are we talking about? Hundreds, I'm afraid. Might as well be millions. How can I raise money like that? Later on, PC Nick Rowan receives a middle-of-the-night phone call from Lady Janet Whitley, a well-off local minor aristocrat, played by famous 60s model Twiggy, and she has a problem. Batesville Police. It's Lady Whitley, Whitley Hall. I think I've got intruders. Whilst investigating, he's almost run off the road by a fleeing truck and we see it's the little boy Danny's siblings who have been stealing... Christmas trees. Yeah, well, they're young fir trees. They sell them as Christmas trees. What will they think of nicking next? And Nick gets in trouble with his wife, Kate, after talking about Lady Whitley. How'd you get on with Lady Whitley? All right. Yeah, she's helping you with this Christmas charity concert, isn't she? Helping? She's graciously agreed to be our patron, but she won't be doing anything that'll get her beautifully manicured nails broken. Yeah, she has got nice hands. Her legs ain't too bad either. In fact, she's what Phil might call a cracker. A cracker? How seasonal. Oh, sorry, darling, did that sting? And he gets more trouble from Sergeant Oscar Blaketon, who is not happy with his investigation so far. This uh, Christmas tree robbery, Rowan, let me get a few things straight. You got a call from Lady Whitley while the villains were in her woods, and yet you still manage to let them get away. And you damaged your motorbike. Well, they almost ran me down, Sergeant. All the more reason for you to be out on the case. Not helping Bellamy turn this station into Santa's Grotto. 
Now, Lady Wickley has put her faith in us. She's a lady, and I stress the word. Living alone in a remote house. In fear of her life, I shouldn't wonder. Well, she seemed to write last night. Shock. Takes time to set in. As the Chief Constable pointed out to the Divisional Inspector, who pointed it out to me. Chief Constable? Whose wife pointed it out to him after she'd talked to Lady Whitley at a charity bazaar this morning. But the Sarge isn't happy with the general merriment either. As you said yourself, Rowan, they tried to run you down. Now, endangering the life of a police officer is serious, so I, su I suggest some extra surveillance seems to be in order. What the... As they lay in fields where they lay keeping their sheep on a cold winter's night that What's going on, Ventress? I'm sorry, Sarge. We're just doing a couple of things. Sounds like you're slaughtering an animal. Sarge. It's Dr. Rowan's charity concert, and we're doing a turn. You give folks one if you sing like that. And then the kids reveal why they've stolen the trees and are selling them secretly. Can you keep a secret, Danny? Cross my heart. We're going to send you to Switzerland. To a sanatorium. Isn't that where they put loonies? Like a loony bin? No. This is for people like you. People who can't breathe properly. You see, the air's special in Switzerland. Because it's the mountains. And I'm going! Yeah. But it's still a secret. Dad mustn't know. Not till we've got enough money. Is it a lot of money? Yeah. Look, show him, Ron. Where did that come from? Did you rob a bank? <laughs> it's Christmas, Danny. Special things happen at Christmas. Don't they? Rowan initially begins investigating Claude, a local rogue and regular in the series whose truck has gone missing. You do Christmas trees as well. Like the one you flogged to the pub. I'll let him have it cheap because he's a mate. If you want one, you've got to pay the full whack. I've got my reputation to consider. I'm not buying, Claude. I want to know where you got it from. Why do I get the feeling you're not going to believe what I'm going to tell you? Try me. I found it! What, in a wood? Attached to its stump? Very good. I, t I told you you won't believe me, did I? I found it by the side of the road when I was looking for mushrooms. In any case, you should be trying to find my lorry. I mean, I know it's not worth much, but it's worth a damn sight more than a flaming Christmas tree. About 30 Christmas trees. That's how many were nicked from Whitley Hall last night. Well, it couldn't have been me, because I ain't got a lorry. During all of this, Kate is putting on a festive show for the locals, and has asked Claude to be a part of it in a very important festive role. Claude! What? Claude, if I told you I wanted you to be the star in my concert, would you help? What, you mean do a turn? Well, it's more of a character part, actually. Why do I get the feeling I'm not going to be pleased about this? Come here. You've got to be joking. No, it's very you. It's not, you know, it's somebody else. Please, just for me. I'm sorry, Kate, I can't. Uh, would there be any chance of borrowing the costume for a bit, you know, just to get into the character? And so the police picking up Santa to take him down to the station doesn't go down well with the kids. Afternoon, Santa. 
The Earls need you back at the workshop. Sergeant Blayton wants me to bring you in. So you better get in. And the interrogation baffles Claude. Found it. Yeah, in the middle of the road when I were out with him. I've, I've, I've already told Ronan. You don't really expect us to believe that, do you, Greengrass? Well, we're coming out with a lie, it'd be a better one than that. And what about the pine needles? What pine needles? The pine needles PC Rowan here found all over the floor of your truck this afternoon. I don't know what about pine needles. Of course you don't. No, I don't, but I know one thing. I know when somebody's trying to fit me up like you lot are. But at the same time, the young thieves' dad discovers the stolen trees. If your mother was still alive today, whatever would she have said, eh? I told you I did it, Dad. It's not the point. Ellie, it's still stealing. And stealing's wrong. Right? Back home, Kate tries to come up with a way to solve the problem. Couldn't we give the money from the charity concert to start a fund to help Danny? That's a good idea. I'm not sure Blake's going to see it that way. In any case, who's the patron of your show? Lady Whitley. And whose trees were stolen? Can't you get her to drop the charges? How? Charm. I presume that wouldn't be too much of a hardship for you. And what about the truck? You can't expect me to charm Claude Greengrass. Whatever happened to Christmas spirit? It seems to have passed. Well, at least give it a try. All right. I'll go and see her in the morning. But Lady Whitley has no festive charitable feelings about the situation. They've got to be taught a lesson. Well, I think they've already learned their lesson. They were trying to raise the money to help their little brother. He's been ill in hospital. <laughs> and you fell for a sob story like that. I'm surprised at you, Constable. I would have thought you were immune to hard luck stories by now. I am. I think this one's a bit different. It is Christmas. If it weren't, they wouldn't have stolen my trees. And the sergeant isn't showing much more Christmas spirit either. Right, Nina and Frederick, out here, now! Sorry, Sarge, we needed a bit of practice. What you need is gagging, or earplugs for the audience. Now come and get some work done round here. Give us a chance, Sarge. It is Christmas. I am aware of the date, Bellamy. Just because it's the festive season, that's no reason to tolerate caterwauling, muted or otherwise. But the other officers arrange a surprise to cheer him up. Uh, we had a special guest. We wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Graham. Hello, Dad. What are you doing here? I've come for Christmas. I hope you don't mind. Mind? Well, it's great to see you. So these two fixed it up, did they? Well, I called the station to ask if you'd mind me coming and uh, Alf sorted it out. And after a visit from one of the kids, Whitley has a change of heart and arranges for the family to be taken to the show in her Rolls Royce as she drops the charges and announces the proceeds of the evening going to Danny and his family. The proceeds are going to a very special little boy who I've gotten to know rather well this evening. Danny, take a bow. And the show ends with Kate and Nick in front of a Christmas tree in a snowy window scene. I'm sorry about Blayton. So much for being on our own. 
If they do the washing up, I'll forgive you. I have one question, though. About that turkey. Yeah, well, I miss the butchers. Uh-huh. I clawed at one guy in spare. Does Sergeant Blayton know? What do you think? Well, you'd better be extra nice to me between now and Christmas Day, or I might just forget and let it slip. Blackmail is a very serious offence. I'll come quietly, Gov. I have vague recollections of this show from childhood, and it lives up to the cosy but serious atmosphere it developed. It feels a lot like Call the Midwife with a nostalgic past time period, a countryside setting, some minor peril and semi-serious themes, wrapped up in humorous characters, situations and lots of feelings. It's definitely a great festive watch, as the music decorations and general tone lends itself to a perfect Christmas day watch. Full of turkey and chocolate, sat on the sofa with the family, watching some kids try to help their sick brother whilst a cop and oddball Santa bumble around the countryside, perfect. I'll definitely watch more of the Christmas episodes for my own enjoyment and the podcast. And finally, it's time to reveal the results of the third group of six face-offs in the big Christmas number one showdown. I'll intro and play a snippet of each and post them over the course of a couple of weeks, with a few days for voting. I'd love for you to share the posts, get your friends voting, get in touch, let me know which ones you want to win and which ones you want to throw in the bin. Over the last month, I've shared the third six, and the results are as follows. 1971's Ernie by Benny Hill beat That's My Goal by Shane Ward from 2005. 2002's Sound of the Underground by Girls Aloud beat 2000's Can We Fix It by Bob the Builder. 1961's Moon River by Danny Williams beat 2003's Mad World by Michael Andrews and Gary Jules. 1959's What Do You Want to Make Those Eyes at Me For by Emil Ford and the Checkmates beat the Spice Girls too much from 1997. But the Spice Girls did win with 1996's Two Become One versus 1993's Mr Blobby. And finally an actual Christmas song with 1957's Mary's Boy Child by Harry Belafonte beating When You Believe by Leon Jackson from 2007. There's still a couple of groups left, so let's keep going with the next set of competitors. First up is 1984's Do They Know It's Christmas by Band-Aid versus 1990's Saviour's Day by Cliff Richard. Our first competitor of this round is one of the biggest festive songs of all times, and I've covered it on the podcast before. Band-Aid was a collection of musicians gathered by Bob Geldof of the Boomtown Rats, who was affected by the famine occurring in Ethiopia, and decided to get a huge collection of musicians to sing a charity single. He gathered the likes of Bono, George Michael and Sting to play on the song, and it was a huge hit before becoming a festive standard here in the UK, and inspiring a number of remakes. And the Colossal Band-Aid faces off against a legend of Christmas, but perhaps not a legendary song, with Cliff Richard doing Saviour's Day in 1990. This song was his second number one after Mistletoe and Wine, written by Chris Eaton, a contemporary Christian songwriter, who used the festive connection to help get this song to number one, most likely as many gifts for parents and grandparents. Winter is truly begun Now we have walked in the chill of the night 
The next pair are 1968's Lily the Pink by The Scaffold versus 1997's Mull of Kintyre and Girls School by Wings. Back to the late 60s for another comedic number one from The Scaffold, a trio made up of poet Roger McGuff, comedian John Gorman and musician Mike McGear, whose real name is Peter McCartney, aka the younger brother of Paul McCartney, so Paul is not the only member of the family with a Christmas number one. The Scaffold is a silly take on an old folk song about miracle medicine, and the song actually has some interesting participants, with bass played by Jack Bruce of the band Cream, and backing vocalists including Graham Nash of the Hollies, songwriter Tim Rice, and an unknown Elton John. In all the game. And completely randomly, I promise, they face off against Wings, so Peter McCartney gets to battle his brother. Released in 1977, this single, Mull of Kintyre and Girls School, was a double A-side, but the former Mull of Kintyre got all the airplay and was the more admired and wanted track. It's a tribute to a real place in Scotland where Paul owns a farm, and it uses the bagpipes to great effect, becoming the first single in the UK to sell over 2 million copies. Next up is 1966's Grass of Home by Tom Jones versus 2022's Food Aid by Lad Baby. There have been lots of covers hitting Christmas number one. Maybe it's the nostalgia, but Tom Jones got one to the festive top spot in 1966 with The Green Grass of Home. Originally by country singer Johnny Darrell from the year before, Tom released his version and it topped the charts for seven weeks from the beginning of December. The green, green grass of home Yes, they'll all come to meet me Arms reaching, smiling sweetly And I know it feels like I'm talking about these guys all the time, but they have dominated the festive number ones for the last few years. Lad Baby got their fifth number one, breaking the record previously held by the Beatles with this cover of Band-Aid's Do They Know It's Christmas. The song is focused on the cost of living crisis and food bank use in the UK, with, as always, profits going to the charity The Trussell Trust. Another face-off, you say? Well, how about 1994's Stay Another Day by E17 versus 2016's Rockabye by Clean Bandit? Well, here's a song that's become a proper Christmas classic here from boy band East 17, 
a group of lads much loved by the teenage female population in 1994. Stay Another Day on the surface seems to be a song about losing a love, but it's actually much deeper than that about the suicide of the brother of the band songwriter Tony Mortimer, so there's a poignancy in the song that most don't realise. But it's a great pop song and some Christmas bells and the video featuring the band in white fur lined winter coats adds those Christmas feels. Don't you know we've come too far now Just to go and try to throw it all away Thought I heard you say you love me That your love was gonna be here to stay and they face off against a modern number one from 2016, with electronic pop group Clean Bandit's smash hit Rockabye, which featured Sean Paul and Anna Marie, and that stayed at number one from mid-November through to Christmas. The penultimate pairing is 1998's Goodbye by the Spice Girls versus 2019's I Love Sausage Rolls by, you guessed it, Lad Baby. Another pair we've already heard from. The Spice Girls got their third Christmas number one with Goodbye, a song that many saw as a farewell to departing member Jerry Halliwell, and even as a farewell from the band, although they denied this at the time. Never mind the pain, all the aggravation. faces off against Lad Baby yet again with their second Christmas number one from 2019, back when they still couldn't stop singing about the national obsession of a sausage roll. This time it was a cover of Joan Jett with I Love Sausage Rolls. And the final pairing of this group is 1992's I Will Always Love You by Whitney Houston versus 2021's Sausage Rolls For Everyone by Yeah Them Again Lad Baby. A classic outside of being a Christmas number one is 1992's I Will Always Love You from the mega voice of Whitney Houston. I'm sure many of you know it was originally performed and written by Dolly Parton and was from the soundtrack to the huge hit movie The Bodyguard, but maybe you forgot how good this song is. And I
and they face off against... Yes, I think this may be the last one to face off against something. Hopefully, Lad Baby again. This time it's 2021's Sausage Rolls for Everyone. A bit of an outsider is their fourth Christmas number one because it was a take on a brand new song. Ed Sheeran and Elton John released a new song called Merry Christmas only two weeks prior and Lad Baby got permission to parody it as well as having Ed and Elton appear on the single and in the video. When the burn months set in and the nights start to get crisp, do you feel what I feel? Hi, I'm Ashley, and I'm the voice behind the Magic of the Season podcast, where we talk nostalgia, holiday history, movies, music, and of course, the big man himself. If you want to turn on something that brings you warmth, comfort, and cheer, then you're in the right place. I'm available on all podcast platforms, such as Apple, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and many more. Follow me for some festive fun on my Instagram at the Magic of the Season Podcast. Now grab your hot cocoa, get cozy, because it's story time. So that's it for August and another month of celebrating festive things here on Merry Britsmas. And it gets a bit more interesting next month, folks, because it's only actually a burr month. We're also over halfway through the year, and so the Christmas creep will be well and truly underway. I know the Halloween creep is already starting, and I will have some somewhat spooky episodes for October to celebrate another wonderful season. But for now, vote for your favourites in the next round of Christmas number one voting on Twitter, or X, or whatever the hell it's called by the time this goes out. And get in touch with me on social media at Merry Britsmas to let me know your thoughts on the comedic songs from this episode. Did you split aside or just your headphones? Do you want to go back to the 60s to solve rural issues at Christmas time with PC Nicholas Rowan? Just let me know before our next month's episode in September. And happy blooming Christmas to you and all. <laughs>